Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Those that joined us earlier for prayer today, this morning at 10.30, I gave them the announcement and as we was praying over this service that today is Vision Sunday. And you may be scratching your head a little bit thinking, well, I thought Vision Sundays were in January. I thought that was where we laid out the vision for the year in January. And, and we did that in, in January of this year. We, we laid out the vision for the beginning of the year. But as we were praying and seeking God for direction for 2013, I do feel that God gave me some specific directions for our church this year. And the first direction that he gave us was that we should build up our faith. And so that was the vision we shared in January was this year is going to be a year of building up our faith. And God has been doing that. God's been healing the sick. Amen. God's been providing. God's healed those that's had disease in their body. God's been doing the miraculous. God's been saving souls. God's been answering prayers. Our faith has been building up. And there's a reason why we need faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us that, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So before you can ever come to God, before you can ever enter into the presence of God, before you can ever even experience God in his fullness of what he wants to show to you, it takes faith. Everything about this walk with God is faith. Because we live in a carnal world, and God operates in the spiritual world. And so we must surrender our carnality, our fleshliness, our humanity, to the spiritual world and let that take predominance in our lives, take priority in our lives. And that is an act of faith. We can come to God because we believe He exists. You can't go somewhere if you don't believe it's there. And also, we know that He rewards those who diligently seek Him through our faith. If you don't believe it's going to happen, you won't ask. Right? How many times do we not ask because we just don't believe it? But if you think there's just the slightest little chance, or if you have great confidence, you'll ask. It's like a child. They just believe mom and dad can do anything, and so they'll just ask for anything. And sometimes they ask for stuff and you're like, that's pretty out there. <laughs> but they don't know any different. And we should have that childlike faith when we go to God because God's not limited like we are in resources. We can ask him and he'll give it to us. He said, ask and you shall receive. So this beginning of the year, God has led us in this first quarter and into April. He's led us in building our faith and we're going to leave that process in place, and God's going to continue to build our faith. But where's a, another step, another, another stone that's going to go into this foundation that God is building into us? And that was the next thing that God instructed me or taught me or, or, or led me to teach to you guys and, and us as a church is that we must be admonished to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to have faith 
and believe it. It's something else to have enough faith to live it. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Acts 11 and 26 says, And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And that tells us that before you can ever be called a Christian, which is an outward demonstration that others would associate you with Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Others see you, and because of the life you live, they associate you with Christ, a Christian. Before that ever happens, we first must be disciples. Disciples were then called Christians at Antioch. And so we're going to look deeper today into the call of a disciple. The call of a disciple. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 6. We're going to read just a few verses starting at 12. Luke 6 and 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued at night in prayer. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Ephesus, Simon called Zelotes, Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. You can be seated. It's a powerful verse. This is a verse that lets us know the separation between discipleship and apostleship. And that's how this verse opens. It says those that he called out of the group of disciples, the twelve, he called them to be apostles. And that calling was the result of a night of prayer. But today we want to focus in on this calling that God gives to his people to become a disciple. Of Jesus Christ. So what is a disciple? I think the common definition, the, the common way that all of us would explain is, is the one word simply to follow. A follower. A disciple is one who follows. There's disciples of many things in this world today, but we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we're going to dig into that. But... There's a second definition to disciple, and it takes follow to a little bit deeper level. It's a disciple is an adherent, a believer, an admirer, a devotee, a pupil, a student, a protege, or a learner. Jesus leads the way in each of our lives. And I think we can testify to those of us who have been followers of Christ that, excuse me, that he leads us to the better and he leads us away from the bad. Sometimes he takes us through valleys to get there. Sometimes he takes us through dark corridors to get there. But the other side of going through it is always better than if we would have stayed where we were. 
And some of us can probably testify today that when we've decided to let go of the master's hand and to, to track out on our own trail, we found ourselves in places of confusion, places of being lost, places worse than if we would have just stayed where we were. Our own path leads us away from God, it seems. And when we stay where we are, we don't grow at all. But when we stay connected to him as we're a follower of him and we let him lead us, he takes us to higher heights and greater greatness. That's because we're disciples. We're followers of Jesus Christ. But then comes the responsibility of us to not just be a follower, but we humble ourselves to his teaching. We surrender to the commandments of God and we let the will of God for our lives take priority. You see, being called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ involves us responding in three different answers in our lives. And each of those answers is our commitment to deeper discipleship or a deeper relationship with God. For just a few minutes this morning, I want to focus on the first two of those three, these are the foundation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then the third one we'll respond to is our response to being a disciple. And we'll cover that here in a future Sunday. But the first thing that God does when he calls us to be a disciple is he calls us to follow him. What was it God said? Follow me. John, or Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. It's believed that Matthew was a tax collector working for the Romans. And so he was sitting at his little booth, his little station, collecting taxes. And he said unto him, Follow me. You say those two powerful words, follow me. And what did Matthew do? He arose and followed him. It almost seems too simple. It almost seems too elementary. But those of us who have struggled in our lives to, to relinquish where we are, to become a follower of Christ, we understand that there are things in this world that get a grip on our spirit. There are things in this world that get a grip on our will. There are things that get a hold of us. And we need the power of God to walk into our lives and not just say, hey, come be a better person. Hey, come be good. Hey, how about you follow the law of the land? Or, or how about you just live righteously? No, we need the divine power of God to step into our lives uh, and God to speak to us and say you follow me something powerful happens when we respond to God's request to, to follow him and this is the first part of being called to be a disciple we must become a follower A follower means that we leave where we are and we go to a place that he intends for us. Matthew could not have been a disciple of Jesus Christ and stayed in his little booth. 
Matthew could not have been a disciple of Jesus Christ and continued being a tax collector for the Romans. That was the plan for his life. That was the purpose he had planned out for himself. But God came along and God gave a calling to Matthew. And his calling was leave the booth, step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of where you live and come and follow me. And Matthew just said, okay. And he followed. He was willing to move from the place he was to go to the place that God intended for him to go to. This is an act of faith. And you understand now that we need to build up our faith because discipleship is walking by faith. The Lord, God Almighty, went to a man by the name of Abram. He says, Abram, I want you to leave all of your family. I want you to leave all the customs of your family. And I want you to come and follow me. And I will take you to a land and I will give it to you. He made a promise to Abraham that as many as the sand on the seashore will be your descendants. Your descendants will be numbered like the stars of the heavens. All you got to do is follow me, Abraham or Abram. And so what did he do? He sat down and he sketched out a 20-year life plan. And he figured out exactly where he needed to travel to, to to make sure that he accomplished. No, 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 no. He didn't go to Google Maps and put in all of his waypoints to make sure he could get there. Matter of fact, God just said, follow me. And he didn't even tell him the destination. He got in a car. I would imagine it kind of would be what it feels like to get into one of these autonomous cars. Some of us are going to have problems when that gets around to us because we like control. What's it going to be like to sit in the back seat and there be nobody in the front seat? (laughs) This is what God asked Abraham to do with his life. Abraham, the back door pops open. Step on in, son. I'm going to take you to a place you know not of. Where is it? Not telling you. Get in. Just trust me. And it begins to take off. And and if you were in that vehicle, I heard the word scared come out of somebody's mouth. Yeah, it's an act of faith. It's an act of of confidence in the technology that that car is going to get you from point A to point B. Thankfully, that car knows where it's going. But if it turns down a wrong road that you weren't expecting it to turn on, your sensitivity is going to go through the roof. Your awareness of what's happening is going to go through the roof. You may not know that it's skipping a detour that's ahead or, or maybe it's recalculated around a wreck or, or some construction that's going on. And so Abraham with complete faith said, I will follow you wherever you lead me, not even knowing the destination. This is the first step of becoming a disciple. Follow me. I will follow you, Lord. I will leave where I am and I will come and follow you to wherever you are taking me to be. Sometimes God asks us to leave some comforts behind. Sometimes God asks us to leave some old habits behind. 
There are even times that God says we need you to separate maybe from some social groups that have been pulling you down and separating you from the will and the purpose of God. I need you to step out from where you are and come follow me. To follow Christ means there are times that I have to give up my own identity so that I can take on the identity that he would call me. His parents named him Simon. Everybody on the shipyard knew him as Simon. Everybody he transacted with when he was selling fish and taking their money knew him as Simon the fisherman. We're going down, we're going to meet Simon. And some of you are like, who are you talking about? Because we know him in scripture as Peter. But there was that moment in Peter's life that changed him and transformed his life. He was sitting with Christ and they were talking and conversing. And Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they were like, well, some think you're Elijah. Some think you're John the Baptist resurrected from the dead. They were saying, the people think you're a great prophet, but they don't see you for who you really are. And it was Simon who spoke up and said, thou art the Christ. And what was Jesus' response? Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And to you I will give the keys to the kingdom, and you will no longer be Simon, but I will now call you Peter, because upon this rock, and this is what Peter stands for, the name Peter means rock. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He went from being Simon the fisherman, he lost his identity when he became a follower of Christ and he took on Peter, the apostle, the revelation of who Jesus is. Sometimes it's fearful when God says you have to give up your identity your identity as an addict. Sometimes it's fearful when God says you have to give up your identity as someone who just runs with every wind and wave of the world. Sometimes it's fearful when God says you need to let go of what this world has labeled you and called you. But I'm telling you today, if you'll let go of what the world has called you and you'll become a follower of Christ, He will apply a new name to you. A new name with deeper meaning and greater purpose. It's like when you go in those waters of baptism you come out with a new name applied to your life it may be Neil Allen on that certificate but last Sunday he became Neil Allen Jesus my name is Todd Johnson but when I got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ I became Todd Johnson Jesus Because I am now a part of his bride. I am now a part of his church. I am now a part of what he's called me to be. I don't identify with this world any longer. But I strive in everything of my life to follow him and to become identified with him. As a disciple, my goal is to be identified as a Christian. Am I perfect in that? No, none of us are. But we strive for it. We Seek it. We search for it. So if you want to become a follower of Christ, you'll have to leave where you are and go to his place. You'll have to leave your own identity and take on his identity. This is what it means to be a follower. 
And the third part of being a follower is we must surrender our will to his will. Every single one of us were created with gifts, skills, talents, abilities. You say, well, I don't know what I'm good at. Well, you're good at something. Some people are good at music. They have the artsy synopsis of their brains fire up. Some people are logical and analytical and those synopsis of their brain fire there's these rare people in the world that are somewhat a little bit of both and it seems like their entire brain glows we all got skills we all got abilities some of us can can read a a map and we know exactly where we're going other people pull a map out and the only thing they do is turn it around trying to figure out where they are that's why they have stickers that say you are here for those people. Some people look at a map and they just know instinctively, almost, I'm right there, there I am. This is where I want to go. They're reading a map is no problem for them. other people, it just doesn't click. You know this because you can, you can talk to people and you'll, you'll be giving directions to somebody. You'll say, well, you'll go down north on this road and turn and go west. And then after you go down there, you'll make a, a, a turn and go one block south. And they're like, hold up. Can you just give me rights and lefts? That's the difference between, between people. There are people who have great skills, talents, and abilities. And they use them to fulfill their own earthly purpose and will. But God says... If you're going to become a follower of me, then you're going to have to use your gifts, skills, and abilities for my will. What did Jesus tell him when he walked by the seashore? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, I will use your gifts, skill, and talent that you've been employing for your will. I'll use that ability for my will. Now, the deal with that is, is we have to surrender our gifts, talents, and skills to God. We have to allow Him to take them and use them for His purpose. Which leads us into the second foundational stone of what it means to be a disciple. Yes, discipleship is following Christ, but it's the deeper meaning that I want us to push towards this morning. And that is we must become a student of Christ. We must become a protege of Christ. We must become a learner of Christ. I already quoted some of it, but let's read this passage in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers. Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. Notice, just the same as when God called Matthew, he used the same language when he found 
Simon and Andrew. Follow me. Following is just the first foundational stone in the process of becoming a disciple of Christ. They left where they were. They literally left the boats, stepped onto the dock, and began to walk the dusty roads of Galilee with Jesus. They didn't feel the cool breeze every day blowing off of the Sea of Galilee. They felt the humid heat beating down upon them as they walked across the countryside with Jesus Christ. They left their identities as fishermen and became followers of a teacher, of a rabbi. They even left their livelihood to become a follower. And so this next depth of the calling of a disciple is where Jesus goes the next step and says, I will make you. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I've watched people, been in this a little while. I've been around church folks, and you've seen the same thing I have if you've been around for very long at all. You've seen people who have become followers, and that's where they stay. They become a follower. They're in the back of the crowd. They're in the back of the procession. They're just on the edges and on the fringe. They're just a follower. They're a part of the crowd. They're a part of the multitude. They're a part of the group. And wherever the group moves, they move. It's like a school of fish. There's not one fish that gets out of place. But when the whole school swoops this way, they swoop with them. They're in unison with the group. But they're nothing more than a follower. Christ says, I've called you to not just be followers, but I've called you to become those that are surrendered to me and I can make you. These people never allow God to make them what he intends for them to be. Beyond following, we must become that student, that learner of Jesus Christ. Did you know God has a plan for your life? His plan for your life is more than sitting on the couch reading your Bible. Did the preacher just say that out loud? Yes. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray, but God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you for his kingdom. He wants us to be more than just followers. He wants us to be more than academic studiers of his word. He wants us to consume his word and it to become strength for us that we act upon his word. When we become a follower of Christ and we allow him to make us, uh, he will bring us into fulfillment. He will make you whole. Discipleship is intended to complete us. As humans, our designer designed us to be servants. Not everybody bought into that idea. I can prove it to you. In the Bible, when God created Adam and Eve, well, let's start with Adam. He puts him in the midst of the garden and says, Adam, look what I made for you. A golden lazy boy. 
Come and have a seat. Put your feet up. Watch the sun rise and watch the sun set. Observe all the beauty of this garden. Just sit here and soak it all in. That's not in the Bible. He put him in the midst of the garden and he said, Adam, take care of the garden. Work the garden. God created us to serve. Adam's responsibility was to serve the will of God. And the will of God was that Adam would care for the garden. God hasn't called any of us to come and occupy a seat. God hasn't called any of us to come and just fill up space. God didn't call anybody just to breathe air. He called all of us and created us with the purpose to serve Him. And this is what it means to be a follower of Christ, a student of Christ. Lord, let me not just follow you from a distance, but let me be hungry and desire in my heart that my discipleship would grow to a place that I study out what it is you want for me to do. Some people have become addicted to following. These are people who are thrill seekers. They're the ones who were standing around the house, clogging up the entryway so that the, the, the four friends couldn't get, his, get their sick fifth friend into the house. They just occupy space in the yard. They just stand in the window watching, just waiting for the next thing to happen. They weren't willing to take their need to Jesus. They weren't willing to make room for the next person to get to Jesus. I'm preaching to us a little bit. Hold on. They were just taking up space and clogging up the doorway. If they'd have got out of the way, the poor guy's roof wouldn't have got torn off. But because they weren't just taking up space, they were just followers. But four friends said, no, my friend needs to get to Jesus. My friend needs something from the master. And so I'm going to become a servant. I'm going to put him on my shoulders. I'm going to carry him to a roof. I'm going to make access to the master so that he can get to him. This is what it means to be a disciple maker. I'll remove obstacles for people to become closer to the king. I'll remove obstacles that, they, that hold them back from becoming who they're supposed to be. And as disciples ourselves, we say, I'm going to push past the obstacle that tries to stop me from being who Christ called me to be. I'm not addicted to just the thrill of church, but I'm committed to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I submit to God's process of making me a disciple. Let's go to Jeremiah Chapter 18. You're probably familiar with this story. Jeremiah is one of the prophets you find in the Old Testament. And he would get a word from God. And oftentimes, like this one, it would be a um, demonstrative word or a, a, a physical word. We would call it an object lesson. So the word of God comes to him in verse 2 of Jeremiah 18. It says, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the will. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hand, the potter. So he made it again another vessel. 
as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hand, O house of Israel. What a beautiful picture God lays out for us. Stop and think, let's zoom out of our own lives for a second. Let's look at the, the bigger picture of creation and all that God did. He created humanity. And in God's creation of humanity, God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't fail. In his creation of Adam and Eve, he created them perfect. He placed them in perfection. They lived in perfection. They were so perfect that they lived in innocence. And then sin marred humanity. The master was shaping a vessel on his will and he was shaping it into perfection but sin marred that vessel. The Bible tells us because of their sin we are born in sin and shaping in iniquity. You don't have to teach your children to disobey. Did anybody sit down and have a lesson with your child? Today we are going to learn the principles of disobedience. You don't have to teach them that. It comes natural. You don't have to sit down with your older children and say, okay, you've learned the principles of disobedience. Today we're going to learn the principles of lying and deception. You don't have to teach these things to your children. They're always looking out for themselves, aren't they? That's the human way. That's humanity. That's our natural desire to to follow after that. And God says, I want to remake you. I want to smash that old vessel that's been marred on the potter's wheel and I want to reshape it again and make it after my own will and my own design. God wants to remake you in His design. Could I say to you, His original design of living in His perfect will for your life. This is part of being a disciple. Surrendering to the potter's hands to remake us. Lord, let me be pliable in your hands. If I begin to lean on the potter's will, and you have to put a little pressure to get me back in the center, Lord, let me surrender to the pressure. Lord, if there's a part of me that's, that's not pliable in your hands and you need to remove that rock out of the clay. I know it's not comfortable, but Lord, I'd rather the rock be moved than for me to fall apart in the end. Lord, if there's part of me that's become misshapen or misformed because of an external influence in my life, Lord, remove the influence and, and reshape me to what you want me to be. Remake me into who you desire me to be. So it's not just following him, 
but it's following him and becoming a student of him and learning how he wants to use us and shape us and to make us into, well, Simon and Andrew's making was into fishers of men. He wanted to use them, remake them using their skills, talents, and abilities for his kingdom. So what would happen if God remade you using your skills, talents, and abilities for his kingdom? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. And going from thence, he saw other two brethren. In the English, leaving from there, he saw two more brothers. He sees James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father. And they were mending their nets, and he called them. I think, I think the language of Scripture is on purpose. I think God was, was divine in his inspiration when he wrote and had the, had the writers write Scripture. And I think he, as the master author, was intentional with some of the wording. Matthew, he said, follow me. Simon and Andrew, he said, follow me and I will make you. And by the time he got to John and James, a precedent had already been set. He simply had to call them and they just fell in line with the follow me and make me part. Oh, saints of God, I pray. I pray that we, succumb, we become so sensitive to the moving of his spirit. That we become so sensitive to the potter's hand touching us uh, that he can simply say, I call you today to this act of, of obedience. Uh, I call you today to this act of servanthood. I call you today to this act of discipleship. And there isn't this process of me deciding to follow him anymore. It's already settled. Uh, there isn't a new process of him having to remake me every day so that I can become who he wants me to be. He's simply puts out his beck and call to me and I respond instantly with sensitivity to what it is he's called me to do. What would happen if the gentlest nudge of Jesus led us to walk down the road that he's designed for us? Oh, that I would become so in tune with him that his purpose for my life is enough. Letting that soak. It's enough. Church, God, being a Christian, being a disciple, following Jesus, isn't just something I do. It is who I am. It's not just a, it's not just a few hours on this dedicated day and a few hours on this dedicated day. <laughs> But it becomes an absolute identity of who I am. Everything I do revolves around being a disciple of Jesus Christ. How I work is as though I work for the master. How I am um, treat employees or my co-workers is how I would work for the master. How I interact in society is how I interact for the master. How I worship is how I worship for the master. How I serve is how I serve for the master. Everything becomes about him and his purpose for my life. 
This is what it means to be sold out and to answer the calling of a disciple. I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm going to sit on the potter's wheel. I'm just going to let him remake me. I'm just going to let him spin me up and place his hands on me. Oh, what would happen if we let God touch us? What would happen if we let God's hands begin to form us and to shape us? Oh, that I'd become so open and so humble to him that his spirit could freely flow in my life, leading and directing I every step. I'm not trying to just paint pie in the sky this today folks I'm telling you there's a place that we can get to, as a disciple of Jesus Christ yes there'll be good days and yes there'll be bad days yes there'll be days we walk in in perfection and there'll be days that we stumble and fall but our objective is I want to be so led by your spirit that just the gentlest nudge leads my day just the gentlest tug pulls me God we must understand that the Holy Ghost is not a traffic cop in our lives. The Bible says that the Spirit is to lead us and guide us. He's not a traffic cop. He's not in his Holy Ghost mobile with the lights flashing, driving in front of us, making sure everybody gets out of our way as we proceed through life. And neither is he a traffic cop standing with his whistle in the intersection. As we would come to the intersection, he's not blowing his whistle saying, you turn here and, and you go straight and you stop. Let's erase, let's erase that word picture of Holy Ghost directing our lives. He's the pilot. He's not the traffic cop. He's the pilot. The intended purpose of the Holy Ghost is not to stand outside of us and direct us. But the intended purpose of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost is that it would get inside of us and it would grab a hold of the wheel and it would grab a hold of the yoke of the plane. It would grab a hold of the steam engine controls. And if he needed to produce more power, he produces more power. If he needs to pull and steer us this direction, he can pull and steer us that direction. He wants to control from the inside out. He wants to control my thoughts. He wants to control my intentions. He wants to control my purpose. He wants to control my will. See, these are beyond just following. These are allowing him to make us. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to fill us and pilot us from within. I'm coming to a close today. We've been talking about the calling of a disciple this morning. But really in every person's life, there's three callings. There's three callings in all of our lives. We, we find these three callings exemplified in the life of Saul, who became known as Paul. 
The first calling is God calls all of us to salvation. The calling is for us to be obedient to the gospel. That happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. God revealed himself as the God of the universe, the mighty one, the one who controls all. And Saul's response was obedience to the gospel. The second calling is the calling of a disciple. This is where we follow and become a student of Christ. And the third calling is the calling to serve in the kingdom of God. I believe today the call of God is going out. I believe God's still calling. God's still calling to wayward souls. Come and be saved. God's still calling out down into the ditch where people have stumbled and fallen. You don't have to live in the muck and the mire, but you can be saved from despair and despondency. You can be pulled up and renewed. Your life can be transformed and changed. Your addictions can be broken. Your shame can be removed. Your doubt can be turned to faith. Your disbelief can be turned into faith. Your sin can be forgiven. If you are here today and would like to be obedient to the gospel, the call to salvation still goes out. All you have to do to respond to his call of salvation is obey the gospel. Just as Christ died on a cross, you would just come to an altar and die out to your sin and die out to your old life. Ask God to forgive you and make a commitment that I'll not live that way any longer. And the other call that's going out today is the call to be a disciple. God's saying, He's walking amongst these pews. He's walking in your aisle today. And I can hear the voice of God. Follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. I wonder if you'll stand with me this morning. Do you hear God calling to your heart today? Is God speaking to your soul today? Maybe you made a commitment at one point to be a follower. But he's saying now I want to make you. Maybe at one point you were on the potter's wheel and, and for some circumstance or reason you, you've removed yourself from his hands. I hear the call saying, can I remake you? Can I reform you? Can we start again on this process of making you into a disciple of Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.